This is Bitch You Doing a Good Job, the podcast where super moms go to burn their capes because doing it all is doing way too much. Hey, I'm in a good mood. I had a kid-free weekend. I hope you get to have one too very soon because you deserve a break. Okay, so we talk about values a lot. And one of my top core values is communication. So today I want to talk about six things that keep us from having effective communication with our kids. And I want to give you some healthy alternatives. So here's something you may not have thought about before. And it's that our words, the way we communicate with our kids can actually be a form of punishment. Isn't that crazy? Like when I thought about this, this shook me because I'm like, okay, communication is important to me, but maybe I'm not embodying this when it comes to my discipline. So dictionary.com describes a punishment as a penalty inflicted for an offense or a fault or severe handling or mistreatment. Let's pause for a second. Let's think about the last time you used your communication to inflict a penalty for an offense or the last time your communication was severe handling or treatment of your child. Mm, I don't know. I don't know about you, but when I think about this, it makes me like think, damn, (laughs) I'm thinking I got it all figured out. I stopped taking the devices. I stopped doing timeout. And now you're telling me I got to work on my communication. Yes, absolutely. We have to work on our communication because We want to continue to grow. We want to be turning over every rock. We want to be putting light on every dark place because we deserve that. We deserve a journey where we are showing up as our highest self. And of course, our kids deserve that from us as well. So today we are going to talk about six ways we use our communication as punishment. And I'm going to give you some healthy alternatives. All right. Let's get into it. So the first way that we punish our children with communication is blaming. This is when you blame your child for your behavior and your reactivity. Well, if you would have cleaned your room, I wouldn't have yelled at you or you made me so mad. This is not healthy communication. This is putting the responsibility of your emotional state on a child. And it's honestly nobody's responsibility how we're feeling, but especially not a child who does not know how to regulate their own emotional state. And what it teaches a child is that you need them to be regulated in order for you to be regulated, which does not send the message of leadership. So here's what we're going to do instead. We're just going to take accountability. Like you've already yelled at the kid. You don't have to make that their fault. So it winds up being a double dose of punishment. Like You didn't clean your room, so I yelled at you. And because I can't deal with the shame or I can't regulate my anger or my frustration, now I'm going to add another layer of punishment and make you responsible for those feelings. Nope, 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 nope. Mm -mm. So here's how you stop that. When you tantrum, when you punish in a way that's not in alignment with your values, you handle the shame and the anger First, you go in your room, in your quiet place, you forgive yourself, you empathize with yourself, you tell yourself you are angry, you process that, you journal about it, you pray about it, you take a nap, you use your calming tools so that when you come to your child, 
You're in a space where you can take accountability for the way that you responded to their behavior. And you're in a space where you can compassionately teach them a new behavior. That is effective communication, but it only works if we clean up our stuff first. So it can be tempting to, after you've yelled or made a mistake or whatever, to place that blame somewhere because it's uncomfortable and it feels icky. But emotional maturity means not dumping our emotional state, our feeling state on our kids. So the next way that you can be punishing your child with communication is through shaming. Have you ever said something to your child like, oh my gosh, you just don't listen to me. What did I do to deserve a child like you? Or why can't you just get it together? What's wrong with you? That's shame and it can change a child's behavior. Yeah, for sure. But it's often at the expense of their self-esteem. And I know that we don't want that for our kids. So I'm not even going to spend a lot of time here, but I will just say that shame changes the brain. It's disempowering and it may seem like it's quote unquote working because yeah, you can shame your child into behavior change, but your voice becomes their internal dialogue. And if we think about the things that we say to our children, I want you to ask yourself, is this something that I want them to say to themselves, to think about themselves when they're an adult? And even deeper than that, If they are saying these things to themselves, what is their life going to look like? So let's talk about a healthy alternative to shaming. And that is to just focus on the behavior. Don't add meaning to the behavior, okay? Instead of saying, oh my goodness, you don't care about your space. You haven't cleaned your room. We need to figure this out. Instead of, look how you're treating your sister. That's not what we do. What's wrong with you? You just yelled at your sister. She needs to feel safe. Let's step away for a moment so that we can calm down. Okay, so number three is criticizing. This is when the parent's tone lacks reflection. It does not have any space for self-awareness. It is that long-winded lecture about the child's behavior. So where shame is focusing on who the child is, criticizing is focusing on the behavior, which is great, but it's like taking it way too overboard. It's when you are so frustrated and angry that you get in this space where everything your child does is wrong. Think about the parent that is like rage cleaning, right? Slamming the cabinets, washing the dishes. Oh my God, I have to do this by myself. This kid never does that. That kid never does this. Everything sucks. Look at the clothes on the floor. I bet they haven't even done their homework. Just zero reflection, zero logic, zero empathy. This is harmful communication. And again, it steers so far away from effective discipline because it is completely emotional. When we are in a criticizing state, we're in a defensive state, we are operating in the emotional side of our brain. So here's what we do. Pause, stop doing what you're doing. And again, Go take a second to regulate your emotions. If you can just do one thing to make sure that your communication is more effective, it is manage your emotional state. Emotions can be blinding. They keep us from being able to see the full, logical, rational picture. And so when you find yourself criticizing, stop and name your emotion. Like, damn, I'm really frustrated right now. Man, I'm really sad right now. 
Because when we start to name those emotions, we start to tame them. They slowly start to ease. We can affirm ourselves. We can give ourselves the hug, both figuratively and literally, that we need. Because we're thinking that we need the dishes washed or we need our kids to listen. But really what we're requiring is safety, emotional safety. And the more we try to run from the feeling, the less safety we're giving ourselves. So if you're rage cleaning or if you're on a rant or you're lecturing, slowly begin the process of pausing, putting your hand on your heart, putting your hand on your stomach, feeling the life moving through you and telling yourself what you need to hear. Because again, when we are criticizing, we're expecting our kids to get it, to see where we're coming from, for it to make sense to them. And we need to give that to ourselves. Next is judgment. And that is when the parent gets stuck in labels, in judgments, and cannot see beneath the surface of their child's behavior. So the bad kid. It's really easy to label a child bad. I had that label for a very long time. I heard my parents call me bad to other people. They call me bad to me. I get that label and I get how Easy it is to put a child in a box, but it's like the tip of the iceberg and it ignores the biggest part of the iceberg, which is below the surface. And so the cure for that is to look beneath the surface. When we see our child's behavior is not in alignment with what we're trying to teach them, it's not effective, it's not appropriate, we need to look beneath the surface. We need to ask ourselves, What is the context of the situation? Do they have extra sugar earlier? And so maybe that's why they're bouncing off the walls. What is the quality of our attachment lately? Have I been working more, spending less time with them? Is our connection off? Is this actually just a developmentally appropriate behavior and not an implication that they're being malicious or intentionally disrespecting me? Just asking questions to understand, leading with less judgment and more curiosity. Because nine times out of 10, our children are not doing things to intentionally piss us off, to intentionally make us have a hard day. I love that Dr. Becky says that my child is having a hard time. They're not giving me a hard time. And that mindset shift is powerful because it's true. They are here, they are learning. And if we are gonna be Leaders, we have to look at the whole picture. There's always something going on beneath our kids' behaviors. And a little curiosity and a little less judgment will allow us to see the full picture because we want to discipline with as much information as possible. I do not want to be solving the wrong problem, right? My child is having a hard time going to bed and I'm so focused on my sleep and what I need that I'm completely missing the fact that our connection is off and she's needing more connection throughout the day or she's needing more connection in the night routine, right? And so if my first thought is, oh, she's being so annoying, like I need sleep, me, 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 I'm going to neglect the real need, the need that if addressed would probably get us to a better place more effectively, more peacefully, Yeah, curiosity. So number five is comparing. 
So hard not to do if you have two kids because you can literally see the differences. You can literally see how one communicates with you in a certain way and the other communicates with you in a different way. You can see how one is like, yes, homework. And the other one is like, I haven't done my homework in two weeks. It's obvious that there are things to compare. And I'm not saying you're not going to do this. What I'm saying is try not to do it to your kid. And honestly, over time, it'll probably be healthier for you to just even stop comparing mentally and just seeing your child for who they are and meeting them where they are. So if you are having a hard time with comparing, here's my advice. Start sportscasting. Sportscaster isn't there to compare. A sportscaster isn't there to add their judgment, their opinion. A sportscaster is simply there to tell you what's going on in the game. And so if you struggle with judgments or if you struggle with labels or if you struggle with comparing, just say what you notice. Practice leading with what you notice. And that could be with positive behaviors or negative behaviors. When you see your child doing something great, just acknowledge it. I see you're working so hard on that. When you see your other child not trying at all, I see you're having a hard time with this. There's no need to compare. There's no need to compare your child to their other sibling. And there's also no need to compare them to past versions of themselves or compare them to other kids or to what you expect them to be able to do. Parent the child that's in front of you. Notice the child that's in front of you. That removes shame. It removes disempowering your child. It removes comparison. Notice what you see and move from that space. You haven't cleaned your room. Not your sister cleaned her room. You didn't clean your room. There's so much judgment in that, right? You haven't cleaned your room. Let's figure that out. You worked so hard on the project. Let's figure out what worked so we can do the same thing next time. Just sportscast, just notice your kids' behaviors and make decisions and creatively problem solve from what you noticed, but don't notice them in comparison to anything or anybody else. Now, I kind of said something about timeouts earlier, but I want to touch on this lastly because it is communication. Isolating your child is communicating something to them. It is saying to them a few things, and it depends on the child how they interpret it, right? But it could be saying to them, I'm bad. It could be communicating to them, I don't get help when I'm having a hard time. It could be communicating to them, like the blame thing, right? Like my mom is so upset because of something that I did. And the problem with this is that it doesn't allow space for conflict resolution, And you end up missing the opportunity to teach the child problem solving or emotional regulation. Now, I'm not saying that you should chase a child if they go into their room. But I am saying that you can sit outside the door. You can let them know that you're present and you're there and that you're open. You're not pushing them away. You can invite them to have a time in where you regulate together, where you sit quietly with them, where you put your hand on their back where you communicate softness and presence and openness, you communicate compassion to them, you can do that. And so I know that timeout is is tricky and it's not the worst thing that you could do, but I want you to ask yourself, 
what am I communicating to my child? How are they receiving this timeout? Even if the behavior is changing, what is this doing to the relationship? What is this doing to their sense of safety? And what's a healthy alternative? How can I keep myself present and still give them space to regulate or still take them away from the game or the sibling that they were hitting? How can I do both? How can I help my child without it being at the expense of their emotional health? So before we go, I want to give you this one mindset shift that can help you move from punishing with your communication to using your communication to teach and uplift and lead. Okay, here's the shift. Move from how can I get my kid to blank to how can I teach my kid to blank? How can I encourage my child to do this? How can I model this behavior? That is going to impact your communication because if your only goal is to change the behavior, you're probably gonna be fixated on that And it's a lot easier to move into blaming, shaming, criticizing, judging, comparing, timeouts when that's the focus. But when the focus becomes teaching, modeling, encouraging, now you're placing the power back where it really should be. And that's in the leader, right? Controlling you and how you show up so that the natural thing for the child to do is to get on board eventually, right? And with repetition, (laughs) and with wanting to pull your hair out because repetition isn't fun, but that's what we focus on. That's what we root our communication with our children in because our communication can either empower or disempower our kids. And I personally want to be striving towards the first one. You feel me? If you like this episode, share it with a friend, share it on your social media and come on over to Instagram, slide in my DMs and tell me how you liked it. Until next time, bitch, you're doing a good job.